0: Good morning. Good morning. We're at the resurrection in the scriptures today. I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. to the resurrection in the Bible the, the stories are interesting the way they're reported the Bible says all things are true the way they're reported by all four gospels are just a little different uh, for instance John only says Mary Magdalene was there early in the morning uh, Luke names three and then others one 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 gospel says that Mary met Christ, only one. Interesting. But we're going to look in Luke 24. And we're at the resurrection morning. And from the Luke account, the first uh, six verses. I'm sorry, the first 11 verses, 12. It says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there came into the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. And they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned for the sepulcher and told these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other (coughs) women that were with him which told these things unto the apostles. Verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. That's Luke's rendition. Turn to John chapter 20 if you would. The first day of the week. 20 in verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they both ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes laying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and see if the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went also the other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed and as yet they knew not the scripture or for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeing two angels in white sitting one on the head and the other on the feet where the body of the Lord had lain. And they say unto her Woman, why weepest thou? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. But when she had thus said She turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Jesus said unto her, Mary she turned herself and said to him Rabboni which is to say master Jesus saith unto her Test me not for I am not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say unto them I have ascended to my father and to your father my God and to your God and Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Father, we thank you for this hour. And we ask this morning that you would be here and you would teach us that all the things that this world throws at us and the cares of this life would be pushed away for this time. And you would give us peace and understanding that you would teach us and guide us and help us in our hearts and minds and our souls and our spirits to perceive, to receive and to understand these things because we live in a world where we need to know. Lord, we need to know you. We need to know what you want us to do and we need the strength to do it. And Father, for those things we ask you. We are so grateful to be numbered and named among your children this morning. Father, how grateful we are. Help us to show our gratitude by doing what you called us to do now. Bless this day, bless this week, bless this season where we look to the birth of our Lord. May the world come to an understanding of what it means. What the true gift of Christmas is, Father, may we all know. Bless this hour now, in Jesus' name, amen. the Gospels vary from place to place and from time to time. This is one of the most varying parts of Scripture I've ever seen. One says Mary alone was there, or at least doesn't name others. One says three came and and others with them. One names a couple, I think. And then the angels. In one depiction, there's two sitting on the slab where Jesus laid one on the end, one on the other end. One of the, one of the disciples says that there was one angel standing on the right side. Only John says that Mary lingered and turned around and talked to Jesus himself. The scriptures have to be put together. I think it's a fascinating story. And I think it's interesting that whoever they talked to, their, their account, their first-hand account is what they wrote down, did you notice with me in John, <laughs> John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Twice he says that in this account. And then he says, he outran Peter to the sepulcher. John was a young man. Peter being Peter ran there and just went right on in. Peter looked around and saw the things, he saw the clothes lying there and he saw the napkin folded, the face covering, folded in a place by itself. It says in both the accounts that Peter didn't know what to take from that, what the meaning of that was. But John said he believed. <laughs> That's interesting. John's the first one to say, I believed. Now, other people taking that whole scenario and say he, he believed that he was gone or risen, but I think it, I think it very carefully, if you read it, I think he said he believed. Then it said, because the scripture, they didn't understand the scripture yet that he was rise again. But John <laughs> believed it. John said he was the first one to believe it. We go back to Luke and it says... When the women came back and told their story to the disciples... It seemed to them foolish and idle tales. It seemed to be the idle tales and they believed them not. Now we already read the account last week where... At the end of Mark... Jesus comes back and it, it gives a sequ- the sequence... Of Jesus' appearances to the people after his resurrection... And it says he appeared until the 11. The door was locked. And he just walked in. Peter, Thomas was not the first, there the first time. But he said he upbraided them for their unbelief. At not believing what had been told them. All of my life. My adult life. My life as a minister. A gospel minister. I've had people tell me. It's an idle tale. I've had men look at me in the eye and say, boy, you seem seem fairly sane in both areas and you run a business here and you do different things and you seem fairly sane. Why would you believe such nonsense? Why would you believe an idle tale like that? Why would a man believe in these things? Never was I shaken from what I believe. You want to know why I believe it? Because it's the truth. And you know that truth is the truth and it's nothing more or less than the truth when the Spirit of God comes inside of you and confirms this is the truth. Without the Spirit of God, it's foolishness. It's in the Gospels, it's in Romans, it's in Paul's writings. It's foolishness unto the men who don't have the Holy Spirit to confirm to them this is the truth. Now that's a touchy subject my dad doesn't believe it when well, your dad doesn't have the spirit of God my grandma told me that's just a good story and you do well if you follow it you'll be a better person if you keep the commandments and you follow the goodness taught in the Bible but all that other stuff I don't know that's not real it's real it is real The interesting thing, one of the fascinating things in this area of scripture is, when Jesus rose from the dead, his own disciples didn't recognize him. The two on the Emmaus Road did not recognize him. His disciples were fishing. He was on the shore. And he said, children, have you any meat? And they said, no. He said, throw on the right side. Cast your net on the right side. It doesn't say that. It says when, when they did and caught all these fish, and it says there were 153. <laughs> it's interesting. It so they caught 153 fish because of. And John said to Peter, Oh, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. They didn't, they, rec- they didn't recognize him particularly. But who else can do that? We've seen him do that before. This is the Lord's work. Then they went in and. He had fish and bread prepared for breakfast. Mary looked at him, supposing him to be the gardener. Well, we can write that off. She it said she had a backward glance. She turned herself. Supposing this man to be the gardener, she said, they carried my Lord away. And if you tell me where he's at, I want to carry him away. Can you imagine a woman at the graveyard before dawn, dawn, believing she could carry the Lord away? It says in Luke 24, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, they came to the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared. And so you go back three or four verses, verse 54 of the 23rd chapter. And that day was a preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. They were going to come and do the final preparations of a, of a good embalming. He deserved that. I want to ask you a question now. Early in the morning, before the sun is up, several women, several women convene at the cemetery, the graveyard, the sepulchre. What would drive them to do that? You want to go out and prepare a dead body in the morning before the sun comes up? Many women loved it. What I want to say to you this morning is this. The Lord came back. He, he resurrected and he was here, the Bible says, for 40 days before he ascended to the Father. We'll go to the first chapter of the book of Acts and in the first three verses we find that he came back and taught his disciples a Sunday school class every day. But we don't know the duration of the interviews. We don't know the duration of the, of the lessons. But we know that he had appearances and he said three or four things and he was disappeared. He came... And he disappeared. What did he do for those 40 days here? And I think it's an honest speculation. I think it's worthy of our mind to consider, although we can't know. I still think it's good to think, what did the Lord do here for 40 days? He made little appearances. On the Emmaus Road, he spent a couple hours. But for 40 days, he was here and had a Bible class. It may not be worthy of time, but I believe, I believe the world didn't know who he was. I think he walked freely among the people. I think he went back to where he raised his son, the widow, and looked in at her house. Boy, he was doing pretty well. I think he went back where he raised a little girl. I believe that. I don't know. What did he do with that time? But he was here for 40 days. now the bulk of the message is going to be the rest of 24th of Luke they didn't believe him it says the angel said to the women remember in verse 6 how he spake when he was yet in Galilee verse 8 says and they remembered they had to be reminded that he said this was going to happen and they came back and told the, the others the apostles and verse 11 says, And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then Peter arose, and that's one verse that John gives about 8 two. Peter arose and ran to the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen. And wondering at himself, he departed wondering at himself at what was come to pass. John says, Peter went away wondering, but John believed. Verse 13 of the 24th of Luke, it says, And behold, two of them went that day, that same day, to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three or four furlongs, About a two and a half or three hour walk, it was seven miles or so. And they walked together of all these, and, and, they, as they, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said to them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered and said to him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days. And he said unto them what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deeds and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they had found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them that were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. And they recount the story that they heard. The Bible says, according to Luke, that they were seemed like idle tales. The two men telling Jesus say they were astonished. Uh, we didn't know what that was about. We we're astonished at that. We didn't know what to think of that. Is what they were saying. What is this? not being able to recognize Jesus after the resurrection their eyes were holding this past he says he done something to cover their eyes their eyes could not see him as he was in the gospels we saw Jesus was in the crowds and they said we're going to kill you now and they came ready to kill Jesus and they said he vanished out of their sight he just walked away but now even his own disciples don't know him this is the resurrected form There are a myriad of books that I have seen. I I haven't read all of them or or all of one of them. But there are a myriad of books saying that the transformation between the dead body of Jesus and the spirit body of Jesus, there's a transformation there that there's a morphosis going on. And I don't buy that story, but that's what many of the people believe. You can believe what you like. Here's what I believe about this passage and the others. People who don't believe Jesus can't see Him. I believe. People who don't believe Jesus can't see Him. There are spirits in this world. If you don't believe there are spirits in this world, you're, you're reading a different Bible than I am. But there are spirits in this world. And I want to say to you this: The closer you get to the Christ, the more He reveals the spirit world to you. He was spirit now. He was risen from the dead. He left his flesh, transformed now to newness. You see this with me, and He's walking along. He He joins them, and it's interesting. That they ask Him, are you just a stranger here? I want to say this. this, this is the message. If you don't recognize Jesus, He is a stranger to you. If you don't believe Him, He's a stranger. And you know what you do with strangers? You tell them what's going on. You tell them what's what. What, are you just a stranger here? Is that what your deal is? You know, through the Gospels you read, and Peter was often trying to straighten the Lord out. Oh, not so. Jesus would say, this is going to happen. And Peter would say, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. The Lord would say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And finally the Lord said, to you, this is going to happen. And all the time Peter said, oh, no, not happening. Not going to do it. Straighten out the Lord. And so, what is it? In this passage, we have the angels tell them, remember what he said, and they remembered. And it said they told him the truth, and they believed him not. It was idle tales. And Peter was left wondering in himself. You have bad memory. You have a a disbelief. And then you have a a confusion. All of them the same people that the Lord spent three and a half years with. And I'm telling you this, the people who don't believe it, that's the same progression today. I, tell, I, have, I have met and talked to pastors who tell me they get, their, they get their sermons offline somewhere because this is a good story, but how do you make it fit week after week? How can you, tell, how can you make this fit week after week? I said, just read it to them, it will fit. It doesn't contradict itself anywhere. And if it does, go and find out why the discrepancy is there. Study to show yourself approved unto God. And so we have in the short verses, we have that he couldn't remember that he said that. They didn't believe that he said this. And Peter was confounded. He went away wondering, what was this about? You know, I think if anybody would know what this was about, it would be Peter. The Lord called him aside and called him out more than anybody else in the scriptures. He said, Peter, don't you know? Don't you know? Now this this at the same time is kind of confusing to us how that could be. I think gives us a glimmer of hope. If Peter didn't understand it at the resurrection, we weren't with Jesus every day for three and a half years and being even called down by him to say, listen, what I just tell you, but we have this Emmaus Road interview, it is the longest interview of Jesus after his resurrection, possibly save the days of his instruction, but we don't know the, the time could end, but he walked with them for seven miles, he walked with them for seven miles. And I say again that when I was younger younger preaching, I thought I would, every time I hit this passage, I would think, man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have heard Jesus preach Jesus. But, but actually I do have it. It's called the Bible. Because he just used the Old Testament and said, these are things concerning me. Now I'm going to read this next passage, but before that I want you to think of something before we go in. Jesus is going to tell those people, you're foolish and you're slow of heart. And the reason you're foolish and slow of heart is you don't believe all the prophets have spoken concerning me. And so here's what I want to say, and this jumps in the face of many scholars and many other preachers. I want to say this to you. If we don't handle the word of God by seeing him in all of the scriptures, we handle the word of God very different than Jesus does. If we don't handle and teach and study and perceive the Jesus Christ in all the Bible, in the beginning, that's his name by the way, the first sentence of the Bible declares him, in the beginning was, in the beginning God, Genesis 1, John 1, in the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus Christ. He is the beginning. He is the Word. It's all about Him. Genesis 1, in the beginning. God, that's all about Jesus. And it says, beginning with Moses, which is Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, first five books, the Pentateuch. Do you see Jesus in the Pentateuch? Jesus does. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them. He interpreted the scripture, the Bible says. He interpreted to them the scriptures about himself. Can you imagine walking down the road with Jesus and him going, you know, remember the ark? Yeah, that's me. Remember the ark? You get inside there and the storm can't get you? That's me. Remember the lamb? The slain lamb? Yeah, that's me remember the wrestling all night with the, that's me you get all, all through the word of God he takes them right down all the, uh, Israel and Jewish history, he takes them, I said that's me, all of that's pointing to me all of that was pointing to me I don't believe I don't believe that either one of those men had an Old Testament in their hand, I don't think Jesus had one either I don't think he needed it I don't know the answer to that but here's what I want you to see with me this morning Before I read this next passage, I want you to look in verse 31, and it says, and their eyes were opened. And verse 32 says, he opened to us the scriptures. And in verse 45, he says, he opened their understanding. You know what they just said we just read? They said, these people who are Christ haters killed him. They're a savage bunch. And they confessed to a stranger. They didn't know who he was. They said, but we're his disciples. They admitted that. They admitted they were his disciples, and they were very disgruntled and confused and didn't know what to think about this death of their Christ. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold to say we're his disciples. They didn't know if if, if this stranger was somebody on the other side or not. In verse 25, it says now, He said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And when they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, they made he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in and tarried with them. And it came to pass, as he sat and meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Open eyes. I believe, um, let read this to you. Let's go back to, to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians to the right in chapter 1. Some people seem to understand the message from the Scriptures, and other people simply do not. Just, and, and, and all things equal, everybody's claiming to be a Christian in good fellowship and good faith. Why is it that some people see the Scriptures, they hear the Scriptures, they read the Scriptures, and they come alive, and yet other people, it's just dull to them somehow? It's, it's not, it doesn't come off the page, it doesn't have life in it. We need, um, we need to pray for each other. And the prayer that Paul gave here is so much the one I use. And uh, by the way, a lot of people, and these are good people, I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone, a lot of people say, I read that, and it doesn't speak to me. I don't get anything from it. I just don't get anything from it. And so I'll say this passage, and I'll read it, and they go, well, now it makes sense if you read it. Listen, there's something in there where some eyes are not quite open. Something, there's something where the illumination of the Word of God is not coming through. I'm not condemning the people. I'm not saying anything but this. Paul taught us how to pray for people. And everybody needs more illumination. No one has it all. He said in Ephesians chapter 1, he says in verse 15, speaking to the Ephesians, and he opened up praising them for their for their uh, faithfulness to God. He says in 15, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Now that would change our church right there. But Paul said, this church has it going on. He said, after I heard that you love Jesus and your fellow saints. Man, we need a bucket of that. We need a, a boatload of love in Christ so much that it spills over to our fellow saints even, let alone the world that we're so afraid of. You know what it means to love each other? I'm going to do everything in my power to help you and not harm you. I'm going to teach you things and show you things that the Lord has been showing me. And I'm going to hear what you have from Him. So what if I'm the preacher and you're not? So what? We're all ministers of Jesus Christ that are born again, every single one of us. And so I should hear from you as you hear from me. He gave me, a, he gave me a work, and that is to declare the word of God, and it's my passion, it's my thrill, and it's an honor. But he gave you something, too. He gave you a witness to share with everyone and say, this is what the Lord is teaching me. This is how the Lord called me to parent. This is how the Lord called me to father, to mother. To, to, this is how the Lord taught me to be a child in right standing with him and my parents. This is how the Lord taught me to live in community. This is how the Lord is teaching me to follow Him. And where I go, people say this, He knows something I don't know. She has something I'd love to have. And I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about this this peace, this joy. The Bible speaks of it on every page, and yet so few Christians exude this stuff. Paul says this, After I heard of your faith in the Lord and the love to the saints, I cease not, I never stop stop giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What is he he praying for? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in what? In the knowledge of Him. Why? Why? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope. Here's what I believe. This is me. This is not scripture. This is me. I believe this. So many Christians are disgruntled. So many Christians are angry and bitter and, and not loving each other or loving the Lord. And they're just, they're just out there just angry. And I, I believe this from watching them, from listening to them, from speaking to them, from the scriptures. I believe this. Their eyes are not open to the truth. The spirit of revelation and the spirit of wisdom is not working in them properly or, or mightily. and they're very, they Actually, they're hopeless. They're hopeless. There's a doubt in their mind that what they believe is not going to happen. If I die tomorrow, will I go straight to heaven? So many Christians, ah. Uh, here's how you know that you know that you know. When you think you might die today, and you're okay with that. When you think today's it, folks. I might not see you tomorrow. I might not see you again. I'm good. If I wake up, I don't see you. Guess what I'll be looking at? I'm good with that. Been a lot of deathbeds that I've stood by. And i tell you something. Everybody goes out a little different. But there's a peace in those who know the Lord. And I've heard more than I've heard more than you, my share of testimony. People saying, "And the person dying said the Lord was in the room tonight." How could you go without peace if the Lord's in the room tonight? I asked him, "What did he tell you?" It's a communication of the Spirit, apparently. They never say he said something. They just said he was there, and they knew it was all right. Is that right? That's right. I see he was here just before you came. I got a call not long ago of a man that was dying. They said, Donnie's dying, can you come? I said, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I was outside working. my day off. I said, I'm sorry. He said, we called you three or four times. My phone had seven or eight calls on there. They called me every 10 minutes. They said, I think Dad's going to die. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I am filthy. I rinsed off, put on some clothes and got up there. They said he exhaled as I was coming in the door and died. And we stood around and held his hand and talked about dad, husband, dad, and grandpa for about a half an hour. And they said to me, Don, I wish you'd have been here. I said, me too. Me too. He said we should have been here. They said, we've called on. He's come, he's coming up. He said, that's good. Now that don't mean a thing to anybody, but it would have meant a lot to me. But he said, that's good. But he, you know what he said? Jesus is here. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, but Jesus was. And she said, I didn't see him. No one saw him but him. But boy, there was a piece in the room. It was a peaceful room, and they said to him, Dad, what do you think? The wife leaned down and kissed him. She said, what do you think about that? He said, I think I'm ready to go, and I think he's ready to take me. He said, boy, calm down. He quit fighting it. Calm down. And he said about two minutes later, he just let go. I think there's so many good Christians out there so many good people that are fighting the spirit of God so many people want to do it, they want to be the ones doing it, they want to be the ones who can do it and be strong and be all this and be known for and look what my hands can do and look what my brain can and they want to be doing it when the Lord said would you stop if you love me stop stop it not about you but they can't get it Their eyes are not open to that. The Word's not illuminated to them. Their heart's not full of Him. They don't understand the working of Jesus Christ. They don't understand, I want you to stop so I can use you. You're using you. Quit using you. I need to use you. Stop it. Then He'll take what you're good at and make it work for Him. But until then, you're doing it for you. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it to be known and to... Give themselves a confidence that I am of value, I have a worth, I know. The greatest day in your life will be this as a Christian to know that you have worth incredible. You, you have such a worth that Christ came and died for you, and you're gifted. The best day in your life will be when you learn to give those gifts to Him. And it may be that nothing changes in your life except the attitude in which you do those things. You're very good at something, and the Lord said, I made you that way. I know you're good at it. I know you're good at that. Guess who gave you that? It's a gift from me to you. When you start using that for me, oh, you're going to find something. You're going to find a peace and a joy and a place in this world where you fit. You won't fit with them. You'll fit with me. And I'll live at your work and say, well done. What did Paul say you pray for these people? I pray, he said, that the Father of glory give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. pray that the Holy Spirit will take you and reveal the real Christ to you the real Christ when I was a boy I heard the messages the way I heard them through little boys ears and I heard preachers say things that I interpreted the way I understood things to be and uh, that's all I know about that except to say this when I got older and I really wanted to know what the word of God said and I started reading it and by the way that helps a whole lot to understand it, read it and then ask God but I found out that salvation experience and the person of Christ are very very different than what I had been taught or what I had perceived as a child very different this disturbing presence of Christ came to me as a 20-something-year-old, and I rejected the message for six months. All I was taught was this love of Jesus, and he loves everybody, he loves everything, and it's okay, and you're all accepted, and whatever you do, I understand, you're my children. And then I started thinking about my home, and I thought we were loved, I guess, but say this, everything we did was not okay. Okay. Everything we did was not accepted. Everything we did was not good for everybody, so we had to stop some of those things. And in that stopping of those, learn something else. This is the this is the way to do it. And in all of that, I put together that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. In my flesh experience, I learned one lesson before Oprah ever got on television. It wasn't about me. Dr. Phil was a little kid too when I learned this. It wasn't about me. And when you and I learned that in the spirit, oh, it gets so much easier. I walked up this aisle before got behind here and said, Lord, I don't have a message this morning. He said, well, good enough, I do. I've studied for three days on the passage. He said, I got nothing. I don't get anything... I, okay, I get the words, I don't get the meaning, I don't know how to preach that or teach that or how to even apply it to my own life. And the Lord says, today's your day. And I'll be doing something absolutely different from what I think I, sh- I should be gaining instruction from and he'll give me a word. He'll say, it's about that. What? I'll just have a transaction or a conversation or something with someone and the Lord will say, that's what it's about right there. Oh, Okay. Okay. All right. As the head of a business, I'm, I'm asked by fellow business people, why don't you go in there and come down on that person and just rip them? Why don't you go in there and tear them brand new? Why don't you leave them bleeding on the floor? I know you can. I've heard you before. Why don't you go down in there and tell them people what's what and set them straight and just leave them bloody on the floor? We're, we want to see that. And I've heard as a pastor, once you go tell them this, that, and the other right now, once you just go lay it on there, are you strong enough to do that? <clears throat> it's not a matter of strength to tell someone where to get off. Strength is an endurance that helps them see the, the way. And beside that, when I say to the person who wants me to go rip somebody's head off, are you walking perfect? Because he without sin is the one who casts the first stone. Are you? Because I'm not. I said to a man one time, I'll tell you what, I think he is wrong. We're talking about a fellow, I said, I think he is wrong, I do. And we've had a couple conversations and that's where he stands. I'll tell you something. I'm not going to change his mind apparently, but I'm also not going to hate him. And if you want me to hate him, I will. As soon as I get my life straightened out, I'll hate him for his sin. And he said boy you're just weak and I said this I may be and that's why I sin but I have no right to go rip into him until I have all things straight and currently I do not I'm a sinner and that's what I believe I believe that's the way we're to treat each other are some people annoying what are you looking at me for our sons, our people. We all are annoying to somebody. That's annoying to people. I get people come in and get married. They get married, and about six months later, they'll walk in and see what my wife does at night. I say, No, I don't want to know either. Oh, she grinds her teeth, she snores. Her routine, her this, her that. And I say, What about you? Any, any shortcomings or anything that she could be upset about? I don't know, man. I can't get past that. And I said, that's, that's the answer right there. You know what she does? I had a lot of young women sit down to marry married six months, two year and tell me about their husband. Living with him is different than dating. You can be on pretty good behavior while you're dating. You can even smell good most of the time. It's a different deal when you're married. And they come in and tell me what they do to drive him crazy. You ever ask the Lord, what I do? What I do that annoys you? Lord, what do I do that annoys you? What, what am I doing as your child? You'd say, I wish he'd quit that. That's not, that's not the witness I want. And I said, what? I said, do you ever ask the Lord, what do I do that annoys you? What do I need to quit doing? Now, if you prayed that, I'm going to ask you, be careful, because he's going to answer you. I asked that three or four times in my life, and people come up and just say something that's annoying about me. Of course, it's all fiction, but their mind is real, and I have to help them. If you ask the Lord for an answer, I'm telling you, if you mean it, he will bring somebody to lay it out for you. I asked the Lord one day about my shortcomings, and he brought people I never knew to walk in my door. ask if, if I was so, are you dumb? I said, yeah, and they laid it into me. I had prayed for the spirit of revelation and wisdom and he revealed it he revealed it, I mean it was a harsh time in my life, it was difficult but I know one thing I learned in that time I don't have a right to go around shooting people down you know what the Bible tells us you should be full of grace because of the way you were treated you should forgive because the Lord forgave you Well, Lord, I wasn't aggravating like that. He said, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how aggravating you are. I know you don't see it, but boy, other people do. And I believe him. I believe him. People are people. The prayer was that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know the hope. We We have, in my estimation, way too many hopeless Christians today. Paul was speaking, it's recorded in the uh, 26th chapter of Acts. It's just Paul was speaking to the group that had him arrested at that time. And uh, he was recounting, as he always did, how the Lord met him on the road. And he recounted that to them. And um, he said, the Lord told him this, Rise to your feet, and I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and the things which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles. Unto whom now I send thee. Listen. This is what Jesus said to Paul. As he sent him on his mission. To open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. That ye might receive forgiveness of sins. And the inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me the Lord said, "He see, on that Damascus road, and he told that story, everybody, he met. Were you cuffed to Paul yesterday all day? Yeah, I was. I was the guy that had Paul yesterday. Did he tell you that story about <laughs> Like, great light and all that, and Jesus speaking, yeah he, told, yeah. he told me that story. I couldn't wait to get the cuffs off. Couldn't wait to get down the road and get him in his cell and shut him up. He told that to a beggar that sat in the road dirty, and he told it to the kings when he stood before him. Same story. He said, i got to tell you a story. I was out one day, ready, I was out killing Christians, and the Lord appeared to me. And he said, and when he got to this one in Acts, it's 26 of Acts, 14 through 18, he says, the Lord told me, get to your feet. you got a job to do. i got to work for you. And here's what it is. Open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified. Praise God. Paul said, "That's the message, Lord, gave me." What did He talk to you about? You, know, one of them, said this to Paul. Almost, thou persuadest me. Now, isn't that a, isn't that a smart fellow? Oh, you almost persuaded me. You're a slick tongue little fellow, you are. Well, it sounds almost real when you say it. You almost persuaded me. You know that man. If he didn't come later, he's going to hear those words through eternity in hell. Almost persuaded. I expect the hymn that we sing, based on that, almost persuaded, be playing in the background for him. In John eight and verse twelve, Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." In Matthew five and fourteen, Jesus said, "Ye are the light of the world." What's that about? Are you? (laughs) Are we the light of the world? Well, Jesus said in this passage in the 44th verse, we skip down. He said, these things are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. And the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. John 10 and 35, he he said, the scriptures cannot be broken. And so here we go, let's finish with this. He said in verse 46, it is written, that word means described and documented, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, thus in this way it behooved, that was it was necessary for Christ to suffer, and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, in his name. And so listen to this now this morning. We're about done here. I want you to hear this. The gospel of uh, the gospel of salvation that the Bible gives us, the scriptural gospel of salvation, it commands us to preach a repentance with the prerequisite being forgiveness. I'm sorry, as a prerequisite to forgiveness. Repentance before forgiveness. And listen, I want to say something about the Bible when it teaches this. Repentance repentance in the Bible is not just sorrow that you have done wrong. Not just a sorrow that you've done wrong, but there is behind that a turning. A turning away from those things which you're sorry for and the fruits that bear out that you've turned. You remember when John the Baptist was preaching and comes to the first of the gospel, it said John was preaching and he was, he was baptizing there in the river and a lot of people were confessing their sins, repenting and being baptized and a bunch of the religious leaders came down, the Pharisees and the scribes and they said, we want to be baptized too and he said, I will as soon as you show me the fruit of your repentance. As soon as you show me the reason I can believe that you've turned. And they went away angry. I have a hard time with this. Someone saying I got saved. And nothing changes. Nothing changes. See, I got saved. I met the Lord. I've been born again. I have the Spirit of God. I've been washed in the blood. Now I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a blood-bought son of God. And they tell you that and nothing changes. But everything they keep doing, they make an excuse for. Make an excuse for. Now, can you sin and still be saved? Yes, you can. but the Bible says if you get saved it's going to change everything about you nothing will be the same nothing now listen and this we're supposed to do it in his name Acts 10 and 43 says to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins And so Luke 24 tells us this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded. That word means he explained and interpreted. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Is that just idle tales? Are those idle tales? I've been told all my adult life by various people along the way, boy, you believe in fairy tale. You believe in fantasy. Fantasy. The word of God is just a good book. It's just a good, this is just a good thing to lean on and and be a lesson for life on how to be be good and all that. No, that's not true. Jan and I went to a funeral this week. Went to a funeral this week. And the man had an audience and never told them about Jesus. I don't understand it this is not a book of idle tales this is a book that gives the only pathway to Christ and you believe it or you don't you accept it or you don't you get born again or you don't following the doctrines of this book the teachings forgiveness of your sins remission of sins you have to repent We went to a funeral of a friend of ours we loved very much. She was a Christian woman. She spoke more about Christ in her daily conversation than the preacher did at her funeral. He put in a couple verses. He did. He read a couple verses. But applied them to her about how good she was. Is that right? Yeah. We left there just kind of feeling sad. I'm not sad for her diet. She had stage four cancer of the lungs and she needed to go home. I'm sad that no one else knew how she got home. And I'm telling you from looking, we sat in the very back, I'm, but I'm telling you from looking at that group, I'm sure there were people that needed to know how to go home. I'm sure of it. The look, they look on their face. And they can confuse this. They look in the casket and say, good for you. Oh, good for you. They take that as not caring because they're up there sobbing and wailing and carrying on. They have no hope. They don't know where she is. They don't know what she is. All they know is grandma died and no more Sunday dinners. She's where I went for 20 bucks when I was low. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can walk up and go, good for you. I'll see you soon. Good for you. She was hurting. She's not hurting anymore. Not hurting anymore. Folks, these are either idle tales or it's the truth from the very God of this universe expounding and interpreting to us the way unto righteousness. And I believe it's just exactly that. It's the way unto Christ hope you do. Father, we just thank you now for this day. We thank you for a beautiful day and ask that you add your blessings to your word this morning that we may understand. We pray we leave here this morning that we might know you a little better because when we know you more, we love you more. Help us to understand. Help us to do what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.